oh, let's just take ban guns. Let's, uh, you know, restrictive laws on guns, mental health. Yeah, they all play a part, but it's like focusing on any one of them isn't going to solve the issue. You have to come from multiple angles, but at least with what we're bringing, it's like it can help now. Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. Hey, B2B leaders, welcome back to another episode. My guest today is Mike Layef, and he is the CEO of Zero Eyes. This company is super cool. So, Mike, tell us about you and uh, what you guys do. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, quick background on myself. Uh, grew up in Philly. I was in uh, I was in college when 9/11 went down, and then shortly thereafter, I dropped out of college against my parents' best wishes and enlisted in the Navy to become a SEAL. Spent some time in a regular Navy, then went into the SEAL teams, multiple combat tours. That's where I met the majority of our co-founders. After 10 years, a little over 10 years of service, it was time for a career change. And I was fortunate enough to get into Wharton Business School, finished my undergrad when I was in the Navy. So I moved back to Philly with my family. And when I was at Wharton, I, uh, I dabbled in a bunch of stuff because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I, I started off in tech startups, and that's where I met our current CTO, Tim Solzer. And we remained very close friends. Funny, funny story. Tim was actually my first boss out of the Navy, and he was only 20 years old, and I was 33 at the time. And... He was backed by VC in his first startup and he was still in college and I was I was astonished and then I just realized how smart the guy was and I was like, Oh, this makes sense. And we just remained close friends, so obviously he's here at Zero Eyes with us. And then went into some private equity, then I went to Comcast, the director of digital program management, to where I really started cutting my teeth, working with software development teams, computer vision, or learning more about AI in general. And then had the idea for zero eyes after the Parkland shooting and just seeing security cameras all over my kid's school and no one was using them for anything in particular, except for after an event happens, like a school fight, someone breaks into a locker. I was like, wait a second, why don't we use all these cameras to detect guns and send alerts to first responders so they have better information and and when they're responding to these threats and uh, started the company in my basement in 2018. Here we are. So, yeah. So talk about that. I mean, it's such a new concept. Like I, I'm pretty well read and, you know, all the different things. And I, I didn't even know this was possible, you know, it exists. So just, just walk through the, what you guys do, because I watched the video. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is, this is so cool. So. Yeah. So I met some folks that were doing computer vision and it was, this was a uh, late 2017 and they're running like YOLO based models 
uh, I won't try to get too heavy in tech so it doesn't like confuse listeners, but <laughs> yeah. the, basically they're running these computer vision models that were detecting everything. Like if it was like scanning a room, it would say cup, table, cat, whatever. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. But like, what are you doing with it? Like, what's, what's next? Like, it looks cool. Then there was a lot going on on facial recognition at the time. I mean, still is. And, um, we, when we started the company, we were doing some stuff in facial recognition, but there's so much political headwinds with it. It just wasn't, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. But when Parkland happened, me and me and the co-founders, we, we would sit around before we even co-founded this company. We'd sit around over a beer or coffee and we'd be like, hey, here's some kick around business ideas and just talk about problems to solve. And we kept coming back to the active shooter problem in the United States because, I mean, before COVID hit, it seemed like it was like every month there was an active shooter problem somewhere. If it's Walmart, a school, a municipality building, a church, like everywhere's a target. Yeah, it was a bad run there for a while. It was just so depressing. Yeah. And coming out of the military and what we did in the military and why we joined, like we were like, it's, it just really struck a nerve with us. And we we're like, something could be done better, but like what? And we didn't want to be just security consultants. We like, that, that's not what we were going for, even though like a lot of people coming from like a, a military background or something like that kind of naturally go into that. And um, when I saw the stuff on facial recognition, I was like, cool. Parkland happened. My kids' school started doing lockdown drills. And my daughter, she was in seventh grade at the time. She came home really upset from it. She was just like, what, are they going to come to my school? Is Parkland going to happen here? And I was like, that's heartbreaking. You, you don't want to see your kids upset. From I, know, I had the same experience with my kids. It's just like, I cannot believe we're even talking about this. I know. It's 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 disgusting. That that's It's pure evil. And so I, I was at her school for a lacrosse practice and it was indoors. It was because it was, it was cold and rainy. It was like the end of February going into March. I was just sitting there hanging out in the hallway, just like waiting for the thing to be done. I was looking around and there's literally seemed like there was a camera every like 10 to 15 feet. And I was like, I counted them just in the gymnasium we're in. There was like 30 plus cameras between like the couple hallways that were right around there. And they had like two big gyms. I was like, holy shit. And then there's a security guard walking around and I was like, Hey, who's, who's watching these cameras? What were you guys doing with the cameras? And kind of just like chuckle. He's like, we don't do anything with them until something happens. He was like, it's mainly for school fights or like breaking in the lockers and I'll to go back and prove stuff. I was like, why don't we use these camera feeds to detect guns? And if we could detect a gun and you have that alert and you have it sent to police, first responder, security teams. Now they have a picture of the shooter. So a description, what type of weapon do they have? Is it a rifle, a pistol, a shotgun? Cause that does make a difference on how you're going to respond. Like you don't want to walk into a hallway when someone's with a, a pistol. When that person has an AR 15, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. And then where they're phys- where is it located at? Because these campuses, be it a corporate campus, a hospital, uh, or a school, they're massive. Right. Some of them are 100 plus acres. And all they hear is active shooter at such and such school. And they, we were like, well, we can really dial that in and put it on a map, get it to their phone. And so, I mean, that was, that was a lot of good ideas in 2018. And we we're like, hey, we could do this. So we called them, I called up my buddies and they were like, yeah, this sounds really interesting. So we all quit our jobs. I mean, Rob, our COO, was working at Amazon. He also went to Wharton after the SEAL teams. I was working at Comcast. Tim was working at another startup. Uh, Sam was working, running a, a portfolio company for a private equity group. Uh, Dustin was doing a lot of uh, government contracting work for training in the government space. And we were like, yeah, let's let's, let's do this. So we uh, 
Started in my basement. Like literally Tim slept in my basement for like six months in a hammock with Dustin. Rob and Sam lived local, so they would like come over every day and we 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 started from scratch with a whiteboard and some computers and started dropping our first lines of code and uh, and working on our data sets to make the AI. Wow. So now uh, where where is it deployed and how? I mean, like talk about the growth of the, the business then. Yeah. It, going back to the basement days, it was like, well, let's just see if we can make this work. So it was like, let's get an AI model that actually detects a gun. And so we went through that process. That was That was painful. Anyone could really go out and make a computer vision model fairly easily, but it doesn't mean it's going to be effective out in the real world. It will look good in like a sandbox environment, like running over a YouTube video for a test, or you can make it look all sparkly and cool for marketing purposes, but where the rubber meets the road and you actually put it in a client's hand on someone's cameras that are like indoor, outdoor, bad lighting, et cetera, you run into a plethora of problems. The training data... It must be just extreme to try to, I mean, gosh, like how, how long did that take to even get like a high fidelity model? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that could look like a gun in a video too. So. Yeah. So we, uh, the first thing was like, get a working model. And so we got a working model, even though it was like looking back on it was hot garbage, but, uh, we're like, okay, now let's tie this into a security camera. And so we could like demo it live. That was our MVP. We were going for the minimal viable product because we wanted to get into a beta site. That took a couple months and it was still embarrassing when we did the demos, but it was like, it was good enough. It got us into our first beta site. So at the end of 2018, we got our, by the end, it was like the end of the summer of 2018. We're able to demo it, got into our first beta site. We started there in December, 2018, like right over the holiday break. It was a high school in New Jersey and they were phenomenal to work with. They were like, hey, you guys could come here whenever the students aren't here. You could work. The police came and worked with us. We were, we were sitting at the 911 center and like seeing how they could receive alerts. Like we just embedded ourselves with the customer for nine months. And it wow. was it was just constant. Every We were there every weekend at night on holidays when there was no one and when the school was empty. And we just worked. We were It was twofold. We were A-B testing our model to make it better. And then we were also A-B testing our software platform that aggregates all the video feeds that we put the model into. And then actually tertiary to that is we had to keep creating our own custom proprietary data to feed our AI to make it better. And then went through 2019 and it was the end of the summer of 2019. We did a big live demonstration to like the school board and stuff. They they loved it. They're like, this is great. This looks awesome. But guess what? We're not security minded people. We're education folks. We're going to count on the police to give it the thumbs up. So the police set up an active shooter drill for two days and they invited seven other police stations from around Jersey. There was over 70 officers there. They ran active shooter drills for two days and they ran them with and without the software running. And so there, we weren't allowed to be involved. They clocked everything. They were, they were trying to trick it. They were doing all sorts of stuff. It was, it was awesome way to get feedback. And, uh, we kept giving everyone like surveys and we're like, what could be better? What worked? And on an MPS score, net promoter score, it was 10 out of 10. Everyone was like, this should be on every camera. And we were like, awesome. That feels great. And then we got a lot of feedback of like how the alerts should look, what information, other information they would want with the alert. And 911 was there too, the dispatch people. And so we got to sit next to them for months to really see like how they would talk to the police when they received the alerts. So it was extremely helpful. That took us to Q4 2019. We finally were like, we're launching version 1.0 of the Zero Wise platform that we call Deep Zero. 
and um, still no sales. That was the end of 2019. That took us into 2020. We had to go out and raise some seed capital to keep this thing going. We had enough momentum to do that, which was great. And we're like, all right, let's let's figure out a now. All right, we got a product. Let's figure out sales process. What what's that even going to look like? And it was all founder led selling. Then COVID hit, and our 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 focus was just on schools at the time. COVID hit, threw us into a holding pattern with schools, obviously, because schools are trying to figure out what they were going to do. But what it was really weird, what started happening, we had a ton of commercial clients start reaching out to us, uh, which was unexpected. And it was all inbound, which was phenomenal. A uh, great place to be as a company, because we we're just fortunate enough to keep getting like PR, get on different podcasts and get it pushed out on social media. And so people were reaching out to us. And then um, we started kicking it up with like Fortune 1000 type companies for corporate campus security, some retail locations, which is really surprising, even though given COVID property management groups, it was really interesting. And so 2020, we went from zero in sales. We had a bang up year. I'm not going to go detailed into our numbers, but they were good. And then uh, we hit the end of 2020, obviously recently, and we found product market fit and education came back online for us, which was great. We got multiple school districts. We got multiple commercial clients. And then we were also fortunate enough on uh, the DOD federal side to win some contracts there. So we found product market fit in three large verticals because there's been active shooters, mass shootings, and you name it, it's been there from military bases all the way down to churches. And it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the society we live in. And then 2020, the surge in gun violence and gun sales. AR-15 sold out for a while, or 2020. And then gun violence went up 200 plus percent in most major cities, which is insane. And there's a lot of unrest. And so, but that's why we started the company because we want to make a difference in the world on that. And that's our why. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. What a story. What, what types of things do you add on, on top of it? Like, is there's a big sort of like, so we deal with a lot of B2B here, you know, so I'm thinking like, you must have like a service and delivery and install and, you know, sort of like onboarding and all kinds of stuff that you would need to do. Like, it's not like you can just turn this up out of nowhere. So how's that all work? Cause you got a bunch of stakeholders there. Yeah. It was interesting to figure out who we're really selling to. It's nice to say, oh yeah, we're selling commercial, but yeah, what does that mean? Like who's your champion? Who's your, who's going to be your champion with that client? Who's the one that's making the, the, the economic decision to pull the trigger on the set? No pun intended, but you know, close the deal, um, the, the economic buyer. And then you also have to deal with the IT of that company. Oh yeah. So you have your, like your champion, a person that's really going to be using it a lot. Then you got like the IT approval process and also the economic budgetary approval process. Oh, you've got all the people that can say no <laughs> yeah. for tons of reasons. And then like the one person that can say yes. And they're probably all kicking the can around to each other yeah. because it's such a new and novel, you know, sort of hot potato. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's really crossing a chasm. You know, I forget who wrote the book, but I'll remember him. But like totally face that. We're fortunate enough that like the the chasm we had across we we jumped as high as we could to get there. We have really hardworking people in a company that just don't stop. So that really helps. And, and they're smart. And we have great advisors and investors too. So we had to figure that out, like chief security officers, IT department head, physical security directors. Uh, at schools, it's a superintendent and a security resource officer. And so we really fine-tuned who we we're talking to and the messaging on that. But it really starts from that first phone call. So it's it's we had to spend a lot of time educating 
them on like what the system does, how it works and like why it would benefit them. And so what we just started doing, we're like, we're going to do live demos all the time, demonstrations. And because people are like, oh, cool, it works if it's one person in a room with with a gun clearly displayed. But what if you're running? What if it's a little dark? What if there's other people in there with lacrosse sticks and broomsticks? And like, so we did all of that. Like we just kept, we were showing everything and like. So when you say live demo, it's like on site doing all this stuff. Wow. Jeez. We'll, we'll do a live demo from our office over like a Zoom, Google yeah. Meet. And when people see it, it really opens up their eyes and they're like, okay. And then we're like, hey, just go to a pilot. Like at, in the beginning, we had to do a lot of pilots. We're, we're starting to get away from them now, which is nice. But it was like really long pilots at first, unpaid. So you guys have to like pretend to be active shooters in in the buildings and like run down all the scenarios and everything. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we get them to pilot and... Once we get to the pilot, it's it's it, that's a good position for us because once our team can get in there, the install's quick. I mean, depending if we're doing a cloud or an on-prem install, we could do both or like a hybrid version. That's that's quick. It takes a few. We're up and running in a few hours on our cameras, which is which is great because it's minimal disruption to their business. We get like we're in and out, and they're like, oh, it's up and running. And then we get up and running, and we show them, and then we let it run for a while, and we show them like. Hey, this is the false positive reporting. Hey, this is, you want to walk around with pistols, rifles, you want to run different scenario drills, and we do all that with them. And it, um, it goes a long way because we're really helping them solve their pain point, especially with physical security directors, active shooter, mass shootings are top of mind constantly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about like the worst case, high impact, low probability event. And I mean, there's like few things that are more disaster worthy and top of mind. I mean, you can, you can train, you know, for earthquake handling and stuff, but let's face it, you know, like this is a, it's a top of mind security issue right now. Do you guys get a lot of credibility from your, your background in, in SEALs and, you know, is that, is that a big part of it? Uh, yeah, it definitely helps. Like, because when you, most of these people in these security roles are retired police, retired military, or if they're not retired, you know, they, their whole career has been in security, so they totally get it. And, and it helps talking like coming from a, a large majority of our team has either a military or police or dispatcher first responder type background. And it goes a long way. You're speaking the same language. They're like, oh, I get where you're coming from. And, you know, and you've had exposure right through the business education and business world and all these things. Like, how does it impact your your corporate culture? Like having that kind of background. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you guys were, you know, essentially relentless. Like you were not going to fail. You know, you would just, you know, sort of live in the basement forever. And, you know, and, and that's, I think, like part of the entrepreneurial journey for a, a lot of people, but uh, you, your, your, your seal pedigree would make you maybe uh, even higher endurance for, <laughs> for the shit. So, you know, I'm curious, like how that, how do you see it being different, you know, having those backgrounds in the, the corporate culture? Yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of grit in the company, even with the people without the military backgrounds here it's and we're, we're close-knit group but we took a lot of the stuff that we had from because uh, we have people on our team not just from the navy seal background green berets ranger marine aren't like different branches we have it all here which is pretty cool but the common thread through all of them anyway is just it's always like having a good mission driving towards that mission communication to get there and even when because it's going to happen. You're going to fall into a, a, a 
a pit of dragons that sometimes when you're doing a customer install, there's going to be obstacles that pop up. You're going to get knocked on your ass, but hey, get back up, own it, and then keep moving forward. And uh, everyone does a really good job of that here, and we kind of instill that. Like, in the teams, we used to always say shoot, move, and communicate, but it's a little different here. Shoot is like execution. execution you're going to execute yeah. on what, what you're going to do. Hey, move. Like, okay, this isn't working right here, or like, hey, the, there's a better way to do this. Do it quickly. Like, don't mess around with it. And but communicate across all levels when you're doing it. Be be loud and proud about it. Everyone's really taking that on board. We focus on. We have a no jerk policy, which really helps. Like, talk about that. I like I like that. People's egos get in the way, man. And it's like you check them at the door. We're trying to solve a critical mission here in the United States. It's been a problem plaguing this country since 1999 when Columbine went down, and everyone's so focused on like the other aspects of it from like, oh, let's just take banned guns. Let's, uh, you know, restrictive laws on guns, uh, mental health. Yeah, they all play a part, but it's like focusing on any one of them isn't going to solve the issue. You have to come from it from multiple angles, but at least with what we're bringing, it's like it can help now. Like it's, you can move the, the trajectory of the timeline of this, these events drastically to the left before shots are fired, but ideally. Yeah, and the same debate's going to happen around all those other issues, causality, correlation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you could get to have that conversation after nobody got shot. Yeah. And an awful thing was about to happen and you prevented awful thing. I mean, I could say that that probably feels good to to do that. So. And so we have, and we're, so our mission and our why is like, we get on enough cameras, we're going to, we're going to help in one of these situations. When we help them just one of these situations and, and really thwart more people from dying, like it absolutely worth it, hands down. So the no jerk policy ties to like, man, life's too short to be putting up with people that are just a-holes. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> why? It's on your team or on the client side, I bet you you probably have the no jerk clients too. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's just like man. It, I know we go through that. It's just like I, that money isn't worth spending. I call it the jerk tax. Like I'm like, there's no amount that you could pay me to do business with you. So no jerk policy, and it's like it, it ties back to our why, and then it ties back to the communication aspect of like. Honest feedback. I'm always looking for constructive criticism, feedback. How can I be doing better? Like maybe they didn't. I get it. Not everyone's gonna like me. I'm personally, I don't. I I don't care too much. It's but it's the same thing within the company. Like guys have to check that ego at the door and just have that be open to getting that constructive feedback. Like, hey, that install didn't go too well. What what could we have done better? Oh, hey, whoever, you kind of screwed up right here, but it's okay. Because we're now we're going to tie it into our standard operating procedures, and it's not going to happen again. Right. Um, sure. And some people they just have thin skin, or they just the egos get in the way, and they just blow up on that kind of stuff, and we're just not going to put up with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and you have you have a bunch of folks that you all had a working relationship, you know, in the teams, right? And I wonder how did that translate to taking different business roles? I guess it's it's pretty probably pretty similar. You know, I know that. Tactically speaking, you would each have like a, a sort of a role on, on the teams, right? And then you would kind of back each other up. So did that translate well to, you know, well, there's a executive role and there's a CTO and you know, like, is it, is it really parallel? It is parallel, but not in, 
so many of the ways that people would, would think. We, we had a saying in the SEAL, SEAL teams about SEALs, like, jack of all trades, master of none, because, like, everyone was a sniper, a breacher, or JTAC. Like, like we you all, had to be like, cross-trained every you know, function. We're all cross-trained, so, like, you're jack of all trades, master of none. And the guys that we have in the, in the company right now, the founders and stuff that came from the, the soft background, the SEAL background, we were fortunate enough to get into business school, really good business schools. And then, but that's, I mean, that's just business school, right? You got to apply it in the real world. So we all went out and did real world stuff for a while and figured it out. So when we came back together to do this, like Rob came from a, a deep operations role at Amazon. Guess what? Rob's running operations for us. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Sam did a lot with, um, and private equity groups and business acquisitions. And he actually ran a sales group at one. He also did the books at one at different portfolio companies. So Sam took on a lot of our back office stuff, a lot of our finance stuff, but now he's also the chief revenue officer and he's building out the sales and marketing team. And he's like perfect for that. Dustin, when he left the SEAL teams, he went into like a trainer role on, on government contracting, training people how to do different things like a teacher. And he he's, bounced around through a couple different things. Like right now he's been the VP of education and working at education sales. He's like great on the ground with customers talking to them, but it's really morphing into more of this customer support role as we keep onboarding more clients. And he's a, he's going to really build that out for us. And it just, it just naturally fit well. And we're all, we're cut from the same cloth, but we're definitely different people. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Do you, do you think about it a lot from the, the background that, that you all shared or did, did it become, you know, Hey, we're business people and we happen to have that, that background, you know, like you hear a lot of times, like, uh, former athletes, you know, will sort of often gel together in a business context. I just feel like how much does it, does it play in? Is that like, is it like indelible or, or kind of just like, Oh, it's part of the fabric. Yeah. That's a tough one. It's, so we're all like brothers, right? Like, literally been in the trenches together. Like we've known each other for up to 15 years more now, literally been in combat with each other L way more difficult situations than we faced in business. But what's funny over the last like two years, there were some times where we were super stressed out and we were like, this is so much harder than what we did before. And then we we're like, but it's a different type of difficulty. Wait, wait, we were getting shot at and blown <laughs> up and this is harder, right? I mean, so all, all the potential founders, <laughs> like that's a nice, nice one. It's different, but what, what really helps kind of going like what you're saying, that fabric, that, that gel that we all have together. Hey, we've been in really hairy situations together. We, we, we've been knocked down, grimy, dirty, not taking showers for weeks and months in, in some third world shithole and like just fighting tooth and nail to get through it just so we can get home. And so when it came to business, we had problems. We'd be like, oh my God, how are we going to fix this? Like, you know what? You go. We'd go and work out together. We'd go get some good sleep. Uh, guys are really into like meditating and all that stuff with us. Uh, we all do different things to get into our flow state when we're working, but we're really fine tuning that and share best practices. And we always get through every problem that we face. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I love that. You know, you don't think of it as like, you know, everybody having different ways to. I love that to reach the the flow state, and you know. It, how do you, when you think about like building additional team members and, you know, sort of like people who don't have that, that background, I wonder if it wouldn't be like intimidating for like the regular, you know, finance MBA to you know come on in. And I don't know, like, how does it, does it like also act as a, like, oh, you're not in the club kind of feeling. And like, you have to be welcoming of all different types. 
Yeah, so we definitely are. We've we've, we've discussed that. Uh, I'm sure it is kind of probably intimidating when people are like, "Oh my, uh, I'm going to go and interview there." But I, I think once they meet us and sit down, they're like, ah. "They're like, oh, okay. uh, that's cool." Yeah, <laughs> right. you guys are pretty normal, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but we've actually written some articles and stuff on it and put it out because people always ask us about how we recruit and everything. And I don't get. I grew up in a blue collar family. Like my parents didn't go to college. My dad was a construction worker. My mom was a hairdresser. First one to go to college, I ended up dropping out and listening to Navy. But it, it's we we really look for that grit that like the people that just like won't that will keep getting up after they get knocked down and stay in it. But they're still smart enough to like not try to do the same thing over and over again. Right, like don't run into the punch. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Right. So we look for that and we, we actually have a flag in our office, PhDs who can win in a bar fight. And it's uh, actually <laughs> ties back to recruiting for the early days of the OSS uh, that became the CIA. And uh, we, we're looking for very smart, capable people. They don't have to have the, the pedigree and the PhDs or whatever to go along with it. But a, uh, Showing a, a capacity to be that are hungry for self-learning and learning from others. They can work in a team environment, but they're also comfortable working solo. That that stuff's important, and um, so we spend a lot of time on how we how we do that. It's, that's important to us, so it's a good fit, and we keep keep the uh, whatever it is this culture is turning into here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always evolving, I'm sure. Right as, as the company grows, like uh, you definitely find that. So I'll, I'll do a couple more questions. Uh, Lessons learned, right? So like, you know, some of the things that completely sucked and you, you learned an awesome lesson that could prevent somebody else from, you know, hating their entrepreneurial life. So. Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> like literally every day, I think there's one of them. All right, if you're going to cut ties with someone or an organization or a third party consultant contractor, or if it is a, an employee, once that's in your head, do it and do it fast and don't look back. Don't be afraid of like, oh, they're going to come back and sue us or blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Get them out. It's dead weight. And it, and it can be a cancer really quickly. We, we, we learned that quite a few times. Not that we learned it quite a few times. We had it, it, it all kind of happened around the same time. And we we're like looking at it and we we're like a couple bad eggs going on around here. Or like it has a potential to be. It's not a fit. And so we, we, we probably, I, I drug it out a little longer than um, it should have. It's never fast as fast as like in, in retrospect, the, the relief that you feel, oh it's just God. like, oh, why didn't we do this? Like, why, why did we even talk about this before? Like, you know, you're right. As soon as it's in your head, that's such a good lesson. I love that. Dude, it, it took up so much mind space. Like it goes to the 2080 rule, like Pareto's law, like it was consuming 80% of my brain for like two months. And I was like, wait a second, I should be focused on, on the business, not this BS. And you keep trying to refit somebody and like, oh, maybe it's my fault and I didn't train them right or they're in the wrong role. And it's just like, yeah, I, I get it. Like that instinct that comes around, it's, it's a really, it's a really good lesson. So people don't talk about that enough. Hard things about hard things or something by yeah. Horowitz, Ben Horowitz. He talks about that in there and I'm like, yeah, no shit. I should have done that. I, I knew better too because we did that in the SEAL teams, but it was just... Right. I have a, I could be a softy sometimes. I, <laughs> I, I get that from all the seals on the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's next? Are you guys going to, I mean, obviously you want to grow the business for what you're doing. I I'm also interested, like what kind of conversations do you have about growing the service or, or product, you know, portfolio on the one sense, it's amazing to focus on the other sense. I bet you get asked for all kinds of stuff. 
to like expand what you do once, once it's in. And I, I think founders face that a lot, you know, it's like you, you automatically get pushed into sort of like expanding horizontally. Well, maybe you don't want to, you know, you're a nice, tight, vertically integrated thing and you do what you do. Oh, but that siren song is there and like they want to pay us for consulting and they want to pay us for this and that. And what if we develop this thing? Uh, how do you, you know, how do you balance that? And where's your business going there? And we were fortunate to learn that pretty early on when we were like, uh, when we first started, we were messing around with facial recognition, weapon recognition, even some social media analytics stuff, even consulting services on a security side to have some money flowing in. And it was like stretching us so thin. And we were just like, one day we just had a meeting where I was like, we're cutting everything. We're focusing strictly on weapon detection. We're going to be best in class and set the industry benchmark on this. And we're going to be on every damn camera in the United States. Like we're going to, people think about active shooters, mass shootings are going to say zero eyes. And that, that's actually part of our vision still to this day. We get asked all the time, but what we do is, um, so people will ask for like integrations to certain video management systems. They'll ask for integrations to certain access control. They'll ask for a different map on our, our, on our user interface. We get asked all sorts of stuff. And yeah, we take some of it on board, but like, we'll be like, hey, there's a, you know, an upcharge for this integration or whatever, so it's worth our time. But over this year, we're hyper-focused on getting cameras, more cameras booked, being on more client sites, because we're on enough cameras, we're going to stop one of these things, and it goes back to our why. And the, at the end of the day, people might ask for like other object recognition models. Facial recognition, a lot of people steered away from. Like, they're, they're just like, yeah, it's to, to political headwinds are brutal. We don't feel like getting sued, et cetera. Um, we don't collect biometric data. Let here to take the hit on that one. Yeah. So. <laughs> we, we don't collect personal identifying information on people, so we don't have that problem, which is great. People occasionally ask for, like, knives or machetes. I'm like, how many times do you hear in the news about someone? Like, yes, people come in with knives and there's stabbings and everything. Great. I'm worried about the person coming in with a gun that could kill 30 people in 60 seconds. And so I, I keep the team focused. In the beginning of covid a lot of people were asking us, people were like investors and people that were going to be investors and like, hey, should you go into fever detection, mass detection, social distance measuring? Or and I was like, no, I was like, this isn't going to stay around. Like, and other competition stuff started pivoting the focus solely on that. And I, who knows, I might be totally wrong here in, in the next 12 to 24 months, but I, I'm staying true to why we, we started this business and, and that's our why and I'm going to stick to it. Over time, it's going to morph into, you know, a better GUI interface. There's a ton we could do on the map side and our GUI interface is like, it, it, it's already nice and sleek and it's a simple, intuitive user interface and we get so many compliments on it, but there's always room for improvement. Stuff with our mobile app, different ways for access control. Hey, the integrations with drones and shooting a drone up when an alert comes to like buzz, something. like there's a bunch of stuff. But for now, we're going to stick focused. The product development, yeah, that'll happen naturally over time. But there's, we have a big market to go after right now, and we're 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 trying to tackle it appropriately. Until okay, so you get every camera, there you go. So <laughs> you got a mission, Mike. This is super fun. Yeah, I don't get to talk about this stuff very much, so I, I enjoy you and thank you for indulging my my questions. Anybody who wants to reach out to you or, or Zero Eyes, you know, just uh, tell them how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Best way to go to zeroeyes.com and you can easily get in touch with us there. Uh, you can always hit me up on LinkedIn or go to our company LinkedIn page or one of the social. I'm not on social media other than LinkedIn because I feel like it's a necessary evil for business today. But uh, 
I uh, I try to stay hyper focused in the business and not on flipping through. Uh... <laughs> You're not missing much, man. <laughs> oh, no. It's a bunch of memes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the best way to reach out to us. Very cool. Hey, Mike, thanks for uh, spending the time. I think everybody's going to really enjoy this. So. Yeah, thanks, Ledger. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.